0: Welcome to Capability Amplifier, the show for business owners and entrepreneurs who want high performance upgrades for their brains, bodies, and bank accounts.
1: Hi everybody, this is Dan Sullivan, and this is the next episode of Capability Amplifier. And boy, do we have one for you today, Mike. I've just noticed that the media that I read on the computer has been filled up for the last two months with the acronym NFT. And I'd like you to just come on because you've just put a picture yes. of a $69 million NFT. And it went through the world famous auction house, hard auction house of Christie's. Unbelievable. And this is a piece of digital art that was yes. put up.
0: Yeah, so for people who don't know what an NFT is, it's a non-fungible token. And there's also NFAs, non-fungible assets. But the basic idea is, And I'll just read it because the description here is great. An NFT is using relatively nascent technology that certifies the authenticity and ownership of a token through a digital ledger of all its past transactions. In other words, a blockchain, which may now many recognize for forming the backbone of cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is this guy created some art and I'll have you talk a little bit about the art and the importance of it. But what's happening now is this strategy, this technique of selling assets, art, et cetera, is gaining an enormous amount of popularity because it is so flexible in determining and proving the ownership of an asset, and as you like to talk about intellectual property, mm-hmm. with property being the big P in that. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you know about this particular artwork? And then there's also the first tweet is being sold
1: right now, which is crazy. Yeah, well, there's two things that I find very fascinating about this, Mike. One is that the digital world is a relatively new world, you know. So personal computers are probably the place to start thinking, and that's 1978, 1979, and that means uh, large numbers of people, you know, and it's in the hundreds of millions, billions right now, people now can operate with their computer or their mobile device in the digital world. Okay. Now, the digital world is exactly the same as the physical world, the analog world in this respect, that certain things are more valuable than other things. And the other thing is it's a medium for great creativity. The entire music world, of course, has shifted over to the digital world. Now, no one goes into the number one record store that we always had in Toronto, closed down right at the beginning of COVID. It's gone and there won't be any other in Toronto because it's not a convenient way to test music. It's not a Great way, but digitally through Pandora or Spotify or any of the others, there's all these mediums for now just testing, and you can download right on those platforms if you want. So, the big thing is that all the rules that govern property in the physical world, anything that's in a physical object, the creator of those, they've been a bit at risk in the digital world because it's so easy to copy things. Okay. Oftentimes, the gangster part of a new universe develops a lot faster than the law abiding part. You know, <laughs> there's a reason why, after a while, that the town has to get a sheriff, you know, has to get a sheriff or a marshal because there's bad guys stealing horses and doing bad things. And so you have to bring order. And I think the digital world especially after the last year it has really become a place where people you know i'm going to spend the rest of my life and what's this got to do with property how do i know if things are real or not real so the big thing that i see is that property law nfts are a digital version of property and the word non-fungible non-fungible means one of a kind The most fungible thing in the world is an American $100 bill. That's the most fungible store of value in the world. If you look at world trade, 85% of all transactions in global trade are done in American dollars, okay, because it's fungible. You know, a dollar gets you somewhere, anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. If you have a dollar, you did it. Well, non-fungible is just the opposite. There's just one of them. You can have copies of it, but ownership resides with one person. And in this case, this artist and his cohorts at Christie's are going to get a check for $69 which I think is a good day's work in the marketplace. Okay. The other thing is how it can happen is the blockchain. So why don't you go a little bit into the blockchain? Because without the blockchain, you have no non-fungible tokens and assets because you can't prove who the owner is. Right. The blockchain was absolutely crucial. You had to have this in the digital world or it would be chaos. It would be the wild west. It would be world war 3 if you didn't have a way of actually proving the authenticity of a one-off. Well, and what I think is interesting about this when I listen to you first of all
0: with the history, I like the practical applications that we're going to see right now. So some of the practical applications if we go down the rabbit hole, is if you own a digital asset, now there is a mechanism that you could set up a rule in the blockchain because that's how Ethereum, which is the primary driver in most blockchain stuff right now, there's a whole bunch of them, but basically it's a mechanism for monetizing contracts. And you could say, for example, whoever the owner is, every time someone sees it, they're gonna get a fraction of a penny, okay? If someone listens to a song, that is owned by someone, they're going to get a fraction of the penny. And one of the problems in the world of music right now is, of course, music's been digital. YouTube pays out, Apple pays out, Spotify pays out, all these digital companies. But the bottom line is we all know there's a certain degree of fraud. And what you could do is with at least the law abiding partners, which, of course, you can sue them if they don't. There's been rumor that TIDAL, T-I-D-A-L, which is another music service that was founded by Jay-Z, it was bought by Square for almost $300 million, $297 million. And one of the reasons why they felt they can do something with it is because they're thinking about or making it use this protocol for paying artists. So the artists will get paid more. But the other side of it is the notion of, let's pretend I'm a musical artist or any kind of creator of intellectual property. I could go out in the digital marketplace and say, I'm looking for partners. I'm going to create something. You can invest in it. And in the blockchain, every time someone reads it, you're going to get a fraction of a penny. So you basically become a business owner. This is going to turn the entire world of money-raising Upside down. I mean, Mm -hmm. you think about doing this with a SaaS company, for example. Software as a service. Yeah. Right on. You could build this mechanism for paying your partners. Dividends won't come through or go through Wall Street any longer. And this is going to happen with virtually everything. Mm -hmm. And then I have something else to show you that is also just simply mind blowing. If you want to try one more crazy ass thing on here dan
1: yeah yeah go ahead Dan. all right
0: so i'm going to share my screen right now for anyone listening to this you'd want to go to earth2.io that's e-a-r-t-h 2.io this is a second earth the best way of describing it is they have divided the planet into trillions of squares and you can buy the property and right now, if I click on leaderboards, for example, you'll see that someone here has almost $300,000 worth of property, and they're about to start selling UAE and Dubai in five days as of the time of recording this. And across mm-hmm. the top, you can see the value of each square or tile. Now, what does this mean and why is it important? Well, my son told me about it, and I threw I don't know, 800 bucks in it and he bought some land and it immediately increased in value like 20% in about a week or so. And it's going crazy right now because people are starting to buy this. Why would you care? It's because this is a second earth that what you're going to start seeing are games are going to use the property in here and you'll be able to actually play games on Mm -hmm. earth, which you can see through, let's say augmented reality glasses or virtual Mm -hmm. reality glasses So this is a universally accepted property that stuff will be built on. So in the very near future, when we start having augmented reality glasses, which are right around the corner, or for that matter, contact lenses, instead of building billboards or putting them on streets, there will actually be virtual billboards and you'll be able to Mm -hmm. lease or rent space. Inside this place or build on it or sell it, whatever you want to do. And of course, um, you know, 47th Street went away really fast. You get trying to find space in Manhattan right now, not real easy, but you can literally go out and buy property. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting. Dean Jackson, who you know, and yeah. Dean basically doubled the amount of residential real estate in major cities in Canada and the United States. And this is about, 10, 12 years ago. So this was early. But what Dean did is he's got a formula that real estate in most cities have defined borders. So what he does, he just defined the borders. So for example, in Toronto, I live in an area which is called the beaches. Yeah, It's right on Lake Ontario. We have boardwalks, beaches. It kind of resembles a New England beach community, you know, and it's It's a very attractive place to live and has been for a while. And what Dean will show you that in the geography of our area, that from a time that somebody buys their first house until they buy their last house, there's a possibility of five or six real estate moves inside the neighborhood. And he gives the areas this for 20 year olds who aren't even married yet. These are for 20 year olds who are just starting their family. This is for 30 year olds. And there's stages in life as relationship to real estate. And what he does, he said that only one real estate agent will have this map, only one real estate agent can have the knowledge of how to identify people and use this as a marketing tool. And I'm offering an exclusive right on a one-year basis subscription that you get this map. And you don't have to use it, but nobody else can use it. And as long as you're paying my subscription price, you own this map. And he did this, and he made hundreds of thousands, millions, whatever, off that. But it's a little bit 12 years ago of an indication of this new game that you were talking about. That's super interesting. He and I never talked about that before. Yeah, but- no, you should get him talking about it. And there are some people who buy it, but don't use it, but they don't want anyone else to have it.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, that level of exclusivity mm-hmm. totally makes sense. Yeah. So here's another interesting thing that I've been doing, which it's related to this, but it's another little mind blower that's been happening in the world of crypto. Yeah. And a quick backstory here, just to give this some framing. Earlier this year, I had a client in Malaysia and he was having trouble wiring me money for our project together. Finally, he just said, hey, do you mind if I just send you Bitcoin? I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, that sounds great. I bought, sold, traded Bitcoin on and off. And at the time, I didn't have any. So he wired it over. And at that point, Bitcoin was worth about 10,000
1: bucks. And I just- Now it's pushing 60. Yeah, yeah, it hit (laughs) 60. And I left it alone, right? yeah, yeah. Remember where you put it.
0: Yeah, no, I do. I do. This is, this is the good thing. I have a horrible story about a time when I didn't remember where I put some, which was absolutely asinine. But here's what did happen that was pretty interesting. I was out walking with a friend one day and he says, well, have you heard of Celsius? And I'm like, uh, "What?" and he goes, well, it's a, a platform. And what you do is you loan Celsius, your Ethereum, your Bitcoin, or whatever your crypto is, And they loan it out, but they are treated like a bank. So they can loan out whatever you give them at 5X, just like a real bank would. Mm -hmm. So if you put over, you know, two Bitcoin, they can loan out 10 and they pay you, uh, it's like 6%, but they pay out your interest daily and you can claim Mm -hmm. it back immediately. And they're just about to fully insure all these assets. So they already have hard assets to back up what they have, but then soon they'll Mm -hmm. be fully insured as well, which the FDIC, of course, doesn't do that. You know, the stock market doesn't do that for you. Wall Street doesn't give you insurance. Now, the thing that they're doing that's even more fascinating is they have their own token, the Celsius token, which you can buy. And not long ago, it went from like a quarter to five bucks, I think, in value. Now, here's what's interesting about this whole thing is with the assets. And yes, I know these are all speculative. We're not giving anyone financial advice, but.
1: Past performance is no indication of future results.
0: <laughs> exactly, it means nothing. However, here's what I love about it, that's fascinating, is here you've got a currency. Let's say you start out and it's at you know $30,000 as of not too long ago for Bitcoin. You loan it to Celsius, who's paying you interest on it. The value of your assets increasing. And the value of the tokens you're receiving, because you don't want to be paid in U.S. dollars. You might as well be paid in crypto. So you get paid, if you decide to be paid in Celsius, you get more than Bitcoin in terms of your interest. It's a couple points higher. Plus the value of the crypto is increasing dramatically all the time as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you look at that, and then going back to what started this conversation in the first place with the NFTs, You know, what we are going to see is a rapid movement towards. There's always a bunch of crazy and exclusivity, and people are news Mm -hmm. crazy, right? To just get things rolling. But as this normalizes, this is going to become mainstream so rapidly. And I do think this is going to completely change publishing forever. It will absolutely change news. I think. There is a possibility that this tech could be used to straighten out journalistic integrity. So imagine Mm -hmm. if great journalists basically package their IP and rent it out to publications. Mm -hmm. And when it's read and consumed, they get a micropayment. It'd be great if there was something, imagine there'd be a journalistic token that would effectively say, we're going to reward people who actually do true journalism, true research instead of garbage. The rating and their identity is coupled with the currency. So there is a digital contract that rewards positive, powerful behavior instead Mm -hmm. of the insanity we live in today, which is outrage driven. You know, Facebook is controlling it with an AI we don't know about. You know, the contract could actually yeah. be publicly displayed. So that's part of what I think I'm so excited about is this is about encouraging great behavior and rewarding it financially, well, which
1: is great business. What I go back to is probably the best definition of capitalism. And this is by F.A. Hayek, who is a Austrian economists who won the Nobel Prize, he said that the unfortunate thing about capitalism is that it was named by their enemies. You know, it was Marx and others. And he said the other thing is they misdirected people's attention that capitalism is actually about capital. He says capital is actually a byproduct of capitalism. It's something that if you do capitalism right, capital builds up. But he says, actually, capitalism is an ever-expanding system of increasing cooperation among strangers. So he said, classically, most economies, you couldn't be in a transaction with a stranger that you would trust unless they were family members or they were close associates. But he said, what capitalism has created that someone completely in... 12 time zones away who will never meet the other party in the transaction can trust the transaction because the blockchain has validated that this is a, and not only that, but it's instantaneous that the moment that the transaction, the value is immediately transferred. Now I'm saying that there's a lot of forces. There's a negative side to this of all the different ways that you can cheat in the digital world, that's building up to a point where people said, you know, we've got to get a handle on this. But the other thing is that human beings like to explore new ways of cooperating, new ways of creating value. And what you've been describing, Mike, so far is that these are very imaginative ways of saying, well, let's see if it works here. Let's see if it works here. And as long as you're willing to realize that it's speculative, there's no guarantees here. And the other thing is that the basic worth or value of anything in the world, I don't care if it's physical or in the digital world, is do you have someone who's actually willing to pay that much for it? You have in L.A., an outstanding example up the road from you, and that's Mike Trout, who is the highest paid baseball player in history and so around I think the contract is for 13 years this was a couple of years ago and it was 430 million dollars and I remember being in the strategic coach workshop and you know there's people who are interested in sports and I am and somebody said this is so bizarre this is ridiculous this is idiotic no baseball player is worth 430 million dollars and I said well of course there is and they said well who? And I said, well, somebody just signed a contract that this man is going to get $430 million. That means there's a baseball player worth, but he he won't live up to it. Well, I said, the man who wrote the check and did the transaction is a billionaire. And I got a feeling that he kind of has a method for evaluating whether something's a good investment or not in good investment. And I said, if you take salaries today of major league ball clubs, and you compare them to the market value of the baseball team, it's no different in 2020 than it was in 1950. 70 years, it's the same ratio between salary and the market value, the asset value of the club. So I said, there's formulas for this. What you're saying is that you wouldn't pay him $430 million for reasons that you might not want to share right now, but you wouldn't pay a baseball player for $130 million, but there's somebody who's, that's not a big deal.
0: Right. Well, I think there's a another example of that, a fairly recent one, when the Joe Rogan podcast was acquired by Spotify for $100 million, the value of Spotify immediately jumped a billion dollars.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, and that's what happened to Ball Club. Right. Too you know, he's very, very good. I mean, if you look at him, he's the outstanding player, at least for the last five or six years. And he did it before he signed the contract and he did it after he signed the contract. You know, he's a good bet. That's all we want to really know in the world. Who's a good bet? What's a good bet? We're always bargaining with unknowns in the future. And this is one area that's very interesting. It's not in the area, but it's Authentication of votes in elections, that every ballot will be a NFT. Yeah. Yeah, the sooner the better, for sure.
0: I think there's no choice but to start doing things that way, especially as we move forward. The scariest part of digitizing everything is quantum computing is increasing at dramatic levels on a daily, weekly, monthly basis all over the world. And the fear is that the processing speed of quantum computing will accelerate faster than the cryptocurrency algorithms that are in place, which would technically unlock, you know, cryptocurrency, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the Bitcoin hash were cracked by a quantum, they can be forged or deconstructed or, or, or there's a whole bunch of ors here. I've talked to some data scientists before about this. I pinned a couple down and they're like, well, the good news is, we're way ahead of where quantum is and we're factoring in the exponential growth. But you know, how does that affect us humans right now? Well, and this is the
1: reason why, you know, we had Peter Zion at our summit two, three weeks ago, and I've talked to him personally, and he said, you know, warfare in the future is changing very rapidly, and that the US, with the exception of their naval forces, because there's actually only three countries in the world that have what are called deep water navies and it's the United States, it's Great Britain and Japan. These are the only three countries. I mean, the Chinese have a lot of boats but they're shore boats because Yeah, and of, they're unproven. Well, they're yep. not a naval country, you know, they're a landbound country. It's only basically countries that have a lot of access to the sea. In Japan is complete, the United States it's almost complete and Great Britain it's complete. It's in their DNA that they're naval countries. But he said, with the exception of that, more and more warfare is going to drones. You know, this would be pilotless drones or pilotless jet fighters. And it'll be special forces, Navy SEALs, you know. And so they'll be able to tell where the quantum computing is because of its energy footprint. And if somebody gets out of hand, they'll get a visit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> get a large, heavy object that'll fall out of the sky precisely where that is. Yeah,
1: yeah, they'll get a visit. That's one of the things why the satellites are there is they can sense where there's an unexplainable large use of electricity going on. You can't hide it. You know that's not possible. And quantum computing just eats up a lot of yeah. You know, you need a lot of solar panels and windmill to keep a quantum computer going. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the inevitability, I'm actually on the board of a company
0: called Nebula and their vision. They're actually putting computers into space for security purposes, but also you've basically got unlimited cooling and unlimited electricity up there. And there's a high degree of security. And then you can you know, beam stuff back and forth with lasers back to ground. And it would make a ton of sense to just put your supercomputers upstairs and, you know, send them some stuff,
1: let them process and send the results down. There's all sorts of shenanigans and sneakiness happening. But it's fascinating to watch how the mainland world responds to these things. Okay. So, you know, when the shutdown happened last year, we were just flying back from Chicago after our last in-person workshop. Babs and the team had gotten together and they said, you know, we're going to have to shut down until June You know, this was March. So what we did is we moved everybody's quarter from a payment standpoint. We just moved it a quarter in the future. They just got a free quarter.
0: That was brilliant, by the way. That was absolutely brilliant. Take away the fear, the value perception until you figured out how to frame things differently. It was genius.
1: And then June became September. And, you know, I mean, we're pushing it off. But then we went back to full schedule in June and we said it's going to be virtual you know, we had holdouts, you know, we've had people who've just come on board after a year of waiting out. You know, people do what they do. But the next morning, we got home late and I got up around nine, ten o'clock, which is late for me. And I got up and I said, I feel that the future has just opened up to us and we have the opportunity of a lifetime just to make incredibly fast progress. So there's no diddling around with this. We may never get a single opening to the future that we're getting right now and i felt that for a solid year
0: yeah it's a five-year reframe that's what happened the world advanced positively five years and you think about how much more efficient better communicators we are now again there's a lot of waste there's a lot of stupidity that goes along with the shift like this but i think the smartest people got a lot smarter really, really fast. Yeah. And what you guys did was an incredible example of that. You moved quickly, innovated quickly, reframed the way you taught, did the bonus quarter basically. So no one was sitting around going, uh, where's the value here? You didn't give them a reason or a chance to quit until they experienced it. And, you know, again, I've talked to a lot of members who don't know any different, right? Yeah. Some new people who have been with Coach, done it digitally, have seen the same thing with Genius Network. And I've even seen where Genius Network without Joe. I actually ran one of the I events. went to a
1: workshop and Ben Hardy was the... Yeah. Ben ran it. And I mean, I got a value and I didn't have to travel. Yeah. I'm letting it sink in, you know, but I tell you, if I look at my future, if it was 24 years of in-person workshops, just nothing but in-person workshops the way we've been doing it. And if I look at the next 24 years, I have a reason for that because when I'm 100, I want to achieve a goal. And if it's just virtual, I have to tell you, I don't get a tired feeling from virtual, but I get a tired feeling from 500 miles of travel and everything like that. And I was just checking out my energy anticipation that if I didn't have to operate by the laws, the gravitational laws of travel for the next 24 years, I have no problem with it. But I have to think about the energy outlay if I'm gonna to have to travel a lot, you know?
0: Right, well, I think the one thing that I will share with you, I've got two things. One I'm gonna show you, one I'll tell you, which I've been telling everyone, and I highly recommend it, which is construct a video studio in your home right now that inspires the hell out of you. Put big-ass monitors in there, get a pan-tilt-zoom camera, upgrade your keyboard, your chair, and whatever your pointing device is because you do spend more time sitting on your biscuits and you want to walk into an environment that just lights you up. So that would be step Mm -hmm. one. The other one I'll share with you, which is, I'm going to play it in the background so anyone who's watching this can see it. You can see it, Dan. This is a guy, a friend of mine, his name's Eric Warrior, just put over $20 million into a Zoom studio in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. This is actually significantly bigger than Tony Robbins' new one. They can handle 250,000 live Zoom viewers at once wow. and talk to them. So they get to see themselves on the back wall. They're bringing in performers. It's a 25,000 square foot studio. And I've been talking to them about a project involving a couple of big mainstream entertainers, mm-hmm. which they'd stream out to millions of people. But you can see it's incredible, game-changing.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. certain addictions may be immune to it, but I think that an evening now, I think it changed. The only thing that I've really picked up from my experience with Peter Diamandis with the exponentials, you know, the, I said... If it's true that you can get the rewards of being exponentially smarter in the future. It's also true that you can get the punishments for being exponentially stupider. True that. True that. <laughs> you know. So if you're into multipliers, you got to really check out where you're starting with your multiplier because negativity can be multiplied exponentially too. Oh god, you yeah, know. yeah. No
0: comment. Obviously, Jordan
1: Peterson has this personality. Oh, I meant to do that. Yeah, is it good? Yeah, the big five. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. And I think if I had done it before COVID started, I think I probably would have gotten different results, but I did it last September, October. One of the things that it really tells me is that my level of extroversion has probably gone up significantly since I've had Zoom. I think I'm much more extroverted on Zoom than I am in person. And I think it has to do with my ADD that when I have a big space and a lot's going on, I get distracted. Yeah. But Zoom, I don't get distracted. I got all 49 on a screen, you know. You know, nobody can sneak anything past me on the screen. So I was just wondering, you know, I cuz I think ADD does affect how you have experience whether you're feeling confident or Yeah. So, anyway, it's worth it.
0: I'm going to take the test. I heard him speak on a podcast recently, and he's had a hell of a life the
1: past year. Yeah, well, it really shows you that nobody rises to the occasion. They revert to their previous highest level of preparation. And nothing in his academic world, his clinical world, prepared him for being a world famous celebrity, you know, a rock star in a certain realm. And everything. And you could just see that he had no preparation for this. Yeah, that's absolutely
0: true. And for anyone who's listening, this is understandmyself.com is the website that
1: Jordan put together. I found it very useful. I found it very insightful. So I've sent it to Julia Waller, who does all of our unique ability. And I said, How does this match up with everything we've done so far? So I just see the one thing is that things don't really bother me generally. You know, I don't worry. But if you're someone who gets bothered by what's happening out in the world, this is a tough world to be in right now.
0: Oh, God, yeah. God, more <laughs> polarity than ever before. Yeah. And yeah. the opportunity for frustration and the forced evolution that's occurring. I saw something. This is going off on a slight deep end. But there's some scientists right now that believe that autism is, in fact, the increased amount of autism is in fact a new evolutionary push Good and yeah. it's required pattern recognition. So there's a new book, I believe it's called the pattern readers or the pattern seekers or pattern seers. I bumped into it. I haven't read it yet, mm-hmm. but it's a new author, Simon Baron Cohen. Yeah. How autism drives human innovation. It is called the pattern seekers. I'm going to read it. It came out in November 10th, 2020. Yeah. The bottom line is this guy has been paying attention to what he really believes has been driving invention and innovation. And he says it's about pattern recognition. And right now that is more important than ever before. And the autistics are better at it. And we're evolving in a place where this mm-hmm. world requires a higher degree of pattern recognition and pattern seeking and noticing patterns to be better humans.
1: Well, it's interesting because there are search firms who hire people in Silicon Valley. And there's one, they specialize in three things. One is autistics, because you can put autistics on deep dive projects and they don't get distracted. They'll just sit there for hours at a time processing, you know, and they're not bothered, they're not picked up but they also hire dyslexics because dyslexics are better at people management than people who get their information from reading. So a dyslexic has to talk to you because they won't write a memo to you, so everything has to be personal. And the other one is ADD are terrific salespeople. Yep. The reason is that you can create and take advantage of hyper-focus better than anyone else. You know, So they're seeing in the technology world that there's a real place for these individuals. So my attitude is that with interconnected billions of people, more roles are being developed for odd human beings, human beings who are not normal. Ben Hardy said, you know, your psychological research is probably better than a lot of psychological because you only have outliers. You only have outliers. Yeah. Yeah. everybody else it's 22 to 29 year old graduate students you know who are being paid for the research here my people are paying to be researched you know so well that
0: and the thing about entrepreneurs you see overwhelmingly is we're the oddballs with unusual superpowers and we've figured out how to make a living and in fact conquer entire categories so you're getting paid and you're doing research by people who are outliers with unusual skill sets, And I, I, that's very true.
1: Yeah. And the one thing is I was looking at the canceled culture and wokeism and the whole, you know, what the other things that belong in the toilet. Yes. Go on, please. Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, there's a narrative out there and the narrative is where it is, but what I was interested in is how much entrepreneurism bypasses this, you know, I've got an opportunity here, I've got a capability attached to it, and we can take it from here to here. And it kind of bypasses all that conversation. I think what the real reason is that there's a crisis in the credential world of paying $200,000 for a four-year college degree or everything else, and you get out and the first thing that you memorize is welcome to Walmart, (laughs) you know, with your 200. So I think that we've turned out too many over-credentialed people who actually don't have skills that are in demand. True. Yeah. And I think it's causing a crisis. And since 57% of college graduates are women, I think that it's probably causing a huge crisis in the female world right now that we were told that we were as good as they were, and then we started proving it in the academic community, and now we got those credentials. And then Google comes out four months ago and says, a college degree will no longer be required to be hired at Google.
0: Yeah. 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 No. And what you're going to see on top of it, rest assured, is going to be while Amazon and Google are going to get into the college business, They are going to train people who will become great corporate employees. That can scare the hell out of some people, but it's like, what skills do you need? I had a great college professor friend who is a real genius and a true academic slash researcher. First of all, he always said the most important thing you can ever invest in as a business is pure research. Without an outcome, you've just got to allocate a block of your cash to doing that all the time. If you're ever going to matter, yeah. And the next thing is, if you want a job, go to a vocational technical school. You should do that first. When you want to learn how to think, go to a college. Yep. It is not job training. I really, And somehow along the lines, those lines got blurred, and the lie that was taught and perpetrated by, frankly, the federal government in the United States, who have supported predatory mechanisms for allowing colleges to charge insane amounts of money and then follow you to your death to collect student debt It's completely insane. It's so stupid and obvious, the theft that's
1: going on. But it wasn't stupid when it was instilled. Ah, It served a purpose at the time. You know, I have great compassion for things that were done in the past that seem stupid now. They were just as smart at their time as smart things that people are doing today. And I said, if you stand in judgment of people in the past, people in the future are going to stand in judgment of you you know so yeah
0: yeah go back 20 years to do a little canceling you're seeing it right now in, yeah. in real
1: time so you're yeah. right yeah you're right dan it's still who you hang out with you know <laughs> right on right on no no and that's great we could go on for hours we could do five of these but yeah well this
0: was good i love the nft going down the path Yeah, and there's a lot digitizing. i mean
1: nft is going to be a constant updatable my feeling it's one of those things that, it's like, what's this dot-com thing? You know, it's like on a news program in 1994. Have you seen this thing, dot-com? What's dot-com? I'll stick
0: to my faxes. (laughs) Why can't you just pick up the phone?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's
0: officially wrap this up. If you've enjoyed this episode, you've got some big ideas you want to share with us. First of all, rate, review, comment. And by the way, if this tickles your brain, you want to think more like this, head on over to Strategic Coach right now. Book a conversation with one of the, what do we call them again?
1: Membership. Membership, Membership advisors. Providers. There we go. God, what's wrong with my brain? No, 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 no. It's special for certain things. Your brain is perfectly adequate for what's important to you. There we go. You can always go over to
0: Capability Amplifier as well. There's always goodies there, videos, audios. Share it with your friends. We enjoy all the feedback that you give us. Thanks for listening
1: or watching. And thank you, Dan. Okay. Thank you, Mike.